Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. And um, I want to finish up uh, a series of messages uh, that we've been talking through on uh, goals and been talking about relationships, and we've gone through just about every kind of idea you could have about relationships, uh, and today I want to just kind of conclude that with the idea of our church and the community that God's called us in, uh, in terms of uh, relationships that you should have within the church. Um, and I want to show a few things uh, from the book of Acts chapter 2. Uh, in regards to um, how we should respond and, and maybe how we can um, get better, I should say, or maybe get deeper, is a better word there, uh, in our community, uh, really our gospel community that God has called us into uh, at Refuge. And so really, um, not just from the church universal, but let's look at it from the church contextual the church local, uh, what God's called us uh, to do here. Um, I know like when, when you start thinking about or talking through uh, a topic of the church, uh, that, that can, can bear some weight uh, for some of you, and I understand that because that's, that's, uh, I've had some weight come from that also. Maybe that's from some hurts. Maybe that's from uh, some wounds that you carry from a different place. Uh, let's be honest. Maybe it's some wounds you carry from this place, all right? Because uh, uh, the reality is, is that nobody is uh, perfect, and when you get people, uh, you don't get perfection. You get problems, all right? And, um, and so, so I understand that. In fact, if you look at the history of the church, uh, you, you will find really quickly that the church has given itself some, some self-inflicted wounds, if we can be honest uh, about that. And so you, you get uh, from the Crusades, from uh, 50, 60 years ago, from uh, KKK coming up out of uh, church leadership. And so you get these self-inflicted wounds. And, and so what I hear from a lot of people, and, and, and just bear with me if you've heard me say this, I mean, I rant on this quite often, uh, what bothers me is that when you hear people say, well, I don't want to be a part of the church. The only problem is that is that that's not our language, the word church. That's Jesus's language. Amen. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 that he's building an ecclesia, a church, a gathering of people that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And so, so if you say that you don't want to be a part of a church, that's like saying that uh, you don't want to be a part of what God said that he is building, right? It's almost like uh, Jesus saying, I don't have nothing to do with you because you messed up. Okay, thank you. I mean, I was waiting. Because, okay, I mean, uh, I mess up on the, uh, I'm not even going to say on the daily, I mess up on the hour. And um, hello, my name is Matthew, and I'm a screw-up sometimes, Okay. <laughs> And, uh, and every time I screw up, God's not like, well, I can't associate with that, that moron. 
So, so that, that's kind of like what, that's what you're saying when, when you're saying, well, I can't be a part of a church. What, like, <laughs> like you, have, you have established the standards of how people should act? You know, like you are the standard, you are the model of perfection that we should follow after. Hey, congratulations, you are Jesus. But the problem is that you're not, all right, just, that's not heresy, that's just me saying something that I think that we've kind of, uh, in our minds said, and so uh, we're not talking about a place, we're talking about a people, because Jesus said, I'm establishing an ecclesia, a gathering of people. Yes. And so here is, uh, in the text that we find ourselves in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Jesus has just ascended into uh, the heavens, and he made his boys, and he made a, a group of people uh, sit around an upper room, and they waited for 10 days. The Holy Spirit ascended from heaven, fell upon them uh, like tongues of fire, which I, I wished I could have been there to see that interesting uh, thing going on, tongues flaming down upon you. And then all of a sudden, what took cowards now emboldened them to go out and to preach where there was a pilgrimage of people that had pioneered from miles away to gather on this feast, the Pentecost. And so they're outside gathering. Here comes my boy Peter, who just some weeks ago said he didn't even know who Jesus was. And now he's boldly proclaiming, let's just be honest, an offensive message. He didn't come out there and say, all right, guys, I'm going to give y'all 10 ways to be a better person. All right, it wasn't like five ways to get your best life. It wasn't anything like that. The message was, it was a very long message, if you read through chapter, uh, the full chapter of Acts chapter 2, that it's your fault that he died. You killed him. Yeah. All right, let's just be frank. If I came up here every Sunday upon Sunday and said, you're the problem, you killed Jesus, all right, that's going to be a space saver. You know what I mean by that? There won't be nobody here. They're going to call me the ranting preacher. I'll get on YouTube, probably go viral, all right? Maybe that's not a bad idea. I don't know. And they're just like, there's that guy that's all yelling, ranting, telling it's all my fault. But this is exactly what Peter did. Goes and tells him, he's like, you are the fools that killed Jesus. Repent from your horrid lifestyle. Now, that's Matthew's paraphrase, but it went along something like that, all right? And so this is the dynamic. And I want you to give you that context of what's going on because I need you to see what happened right after Peter did this crazy thing, right after the Holy Spirit empowered these knuckleheads, right after Jesus ascended into the heavens, and gave and birthed this incredible movement. Because I think one of the issues is that, I think the flaw that we have is that God wants to do so much through so many of us, but we just aren't willing to be a part of a gospel community, the church. And I think the tragedy of that is, is that many people will miss a movement of God just because they don't want to be associated with the church. But this is what God started. This is what he is the general contractor of. And this is what God has called us to be a part of, this local gathering of believers. So here's Acts chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in perhaps verse 37, right after Peter preaches this message. This is what happens. And when they heard this, 
I love this. They didn't depart. They didn't get up and leave. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, well, brothers, what should we do? And Peter responded and replied to them, you repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children Amen. and for, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them. I like that. That's funny. Saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message, they were baptized. And, and that day there were 3,000 people added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the, peop, uh, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and held all things in common. That's the biggest miracle in the known universe. They sold their possessions and property and distributed them, the proceeds, to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Here is what we get, a glimpse of the birth of the church that took some 120 people into a logistical nightmare into 3,000 people. Now, we all grew up with, some of you may have grown up with this idea of what church is. You've got the, uh, the gang sign of the here's the church. There's people, you open it up, and there's the church portionist hand gang sign, right? The problem with that terrible theology is that we've placed the identity of the church around a place. And so from the beginning of uh, my churchness, I was taught that here's the temple, there's the steeple, and so the place is the church. The only problem with that is that's not in the Bible. That the church isn't a place, it's a people. And I think, and let me talk southern culture, if I can, because this is where we are in the south, that we have taken that idea that, that since church is a place, then church means that it's a place to be consumed. So then you get the vendor, me, I'm the vendor, and I'm providing to you a service and a good to you as the consumers. This is the idea of Southern culture of what church is. You have someone who is there to meet your need and that you are there to consume and consume and consume. That's the idea of church. That when my personal preferences uh, aren't being met, then I just go, and I hear this a lot, I'll go shop around. Now, I know probably some of us have said that. I'm just shopping around, just looking around. Now, I'm not saying that in and of itself is a bad thing to look for a church that's gospel-centered, but I think the problem with it is the language that we've used. I'm shopping around? What are you going to buy when you get there? You're going to buy me? Because if you're going to buy me, I'm expensive. I cost a lot of money. 
So write that check. I mean, for real, I'm trying to renovate a house if you want to try to purchase me, okay? And that's the idea that we have of church, that it's a place to be, uh, that it's a place to be rather than a people to belong to. Amen. And it's this idea of consumerism that has wrecked the Western culture of church. This is why people go from place to place to place because they'll come into a church and they'll start with their judgmental abilities. They'll rate every ministry that the church has. Oh, this, the preacher, I'll give him a 4.3 at best. No, not me. Uh, the music, that was more like a 3.2 for me. The music, uh, it's okay. I can live with it, but they changed the style. And so now i got to go find another place that meets my style. I mean, do you know how mad that sounds and how that could have sounded to the early church? The church is not a place. It's a people. Amen. It's the ecclesia. It's the people that we belong to. You do not belong to this ghetto building. I mean, Thursday, it was storming outside for like two minutes. You know when it rains at West Point. I don't know if it's because the river's right there. It doesn't rain. It monsoons. And suddenly, we get this god-awful smell that comes from every pipe and drain in this building. You want to belong to that? I mean, I'll baptize you in if you want to. But that's just, So we're not a part. We don't belong to this ghettofied building that we've tried to dress up. We belong to the people in it. Places aren't holy. People are holy. So here's this church that is ushered in by the Holy Spirit. And we find ourselves in this text where they are suddenly filled with this boldness and with this incredible voice and there was an incredible message of the gospel. And if I were to just give us a few goals about what it means to be rooted in gospel community. Let's talk about that for just a second. What it means to be rooted in gospel community. Verse 41, it says this. So those who accepted this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So here's what we find, what it means to be devoted to gospel community, is that they, we, they were a gathered community. They were a gathered community community. Hebrews chapter uh, 10 verse 25 says, don't neglect meeting together, but you encourage one another. Now for them, let's throw in this little caveat here. It wasn't a weekly gathering. What did the text say that we just read? They were meeting together day by day. Now I'm not suggesting that we have church every day. I don't think I could come up with a sermon for you every day, right? Not suggesting that at all, but, I mean, come on, we meet once a week, all right? We have to stay devoted to the gathering because spiritual formation, here's why this is so important. Spiritual formation, I, I, I was glancing through the New Testament trying to find where I could find where spiritual formation would just happen to one individual person. Any, anytime that you, you, you read the New Testament, you, you would see, particularly Paul's writings, when he would write to uh, a particular city, he would say to that city, 
he would address that particular group or that particular church within the city and he would say to them say to them with things like grow I want you to do this I want you to do more of this and he would give them these admonishing tasks to do and he would give them all these things to do and don't do this it wasn't for an individual so spiritual growth rarely comes out of you isolating yourselves from the context of the community of believers Sanctification, spiritual formation, always happens in the confines of community. So when he's saying stay devoted to the gathering, don't neglect the gathering, because your spiritual formation, your sanctification, it relies on it. It relies on you being here together with each other. Because the moment that I try to isolate myself, the moment I try to do this on solo, man, I got some problems coming my way. Stay devoted to the gathering. What gospel community looks like, it looks like a place that's staying a part of the gathering of the people of God. Here's the second thing that it does for us that we are devoted to community. Now, he, I love that he uses the word devoted because that's a strong use of word here. Now, the church is a devoted community. Now, I want you to notice how odd that was for them. These were just a bunch of knuckleheads. These are a group of not just men, but these were men and women. So if these were pilgrims coming from all around uh, the region here, it wasn't just one group of people. So now suddenly, when this, upon this 3,000 number that was added, now it's just a big band of a bunch of different folks, right? So here is now, they are devoted to each other. And so here's what we get in the scripture. There's just, I got sub points too, so I'm doing pretty good. Got three points, four sub points. I feel like I'm Baptist this morning. We'll go with it. So here, here's something that they're devoted to. I want you to notice this from the text. They're devoted to the word. They're devoted to Scripture. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostle. They were devoted to the teaching, the gospel, because out of the gospel was birthed this movement. They were devoted to the Word of God. And they weren't just devoted. They just weren't studying the Word of God. They were doing the Word of God. How, I mean, for them contextually, how can I live as Jesus as my king with the Roman emperor right here in our region? So these were questions that they were pondering. And so they would go and they would study the word of God together. For us, like how can we live in a culture that is so anti-Christ? How can we continue to live as believers in our culture? It's in the word of God. We have to stay devoted to the Scripture, to the Word of God. Not just be devoted to it, but act upon it. This is what James would say, not just to be doers of the Word only, but not just to be hearers of the Word only, but also doers. Y'all got what I'm trying to say. I mean, you get up here and try to preach. It's a lot more difficult than when you think. Here's the other one. Devoted to sharing life with each other. Now, this is a good one. To the fellowship is what they use. And that word, it, it just translates as... Uh, just literally means the sharing of life. So they broke bread with each other. Right? They're sharing meals with each other. So 
Let me just ask you this question. You got to know I got to ask it because if it's in there, I'm going to ask it. Like who was the last person in this church that you had a meal with? And that just seems like very elementary and very basic. I mean, and I and I know the uh, the excuses. All right, I could probably have listed like a b- bunch of excuses. Like, well, my house ain't clean. Well, my children are crazy. Well, my wife, you know, sometimes she, she ain't all there. Sometimes you want me to share break bread in my home with the people that I'm supposed to be in gospel community with. Yeah. All right, so every example I gave you, with the exception of the wife being a little off, that, that's me. House ain't clean. And I started tearing up my bathroom, y'all. That ain't nothing to do with sermon. I just feel like I need to vent on this. <laughs> this house is so old. It was infested with a certain creature. And when I started, it was just nasty. I just wanted to move out. And I was reading the scriptures like, God, you want me to break bread with these people in this house? You know? So I get it. Crazy kids, I got it. I got one one-year-old right now who will not shut up. <laughs> Just nonstop. And it's not talking like his mother. He's got his father's vocal cords, and he just wants everyone, not in the house to hear him, but in the entire flipping neighborhood to hear him. So let's try to break bread with a screaming child. It's difficult. All right, so these people in this context, they were worried about, well, my, my, my china ain't just right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know who uses that word anymore. That's kind of weird <laughs> in old school. Well, my dishes they ain't done. I got dirty dishes in my sink. Right, they weren't worried about this kind of stuff. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread with each other. Amen. Now, that's a lot more than just eating with each other, all right? I think that's how Baptist church was birthed. They saw breaking bread. They're like, let's start a church. We get to eat. All right? I don't know why I'm hounding on bad. Just, I don't, anyway, so here it is, all right? Not just eating together. Because what happens when you get in that context of a meal with one another, you share some intimate things going on with your life. So that's what it's a call for, not just to share a pizza with somebody. But let's get involved with your life. So this is what he's talking about. So we stay devoted to each other. And, and I think, just one more last tangent, and I'll move on here. I think the reason why some of us won't get that kind of devotion with each other, and I think this is the problem that we have had in almost nine years. That's crazy to even say nine years of being a church, is that some of us from week after week after week after week come in here. We act like we got everything put together. Now, that's one reason why you don't want to stay devoted to the breaking of the bread, because you don't want nobody knowing who you truly are. Were you about to do a praise break? Because I was about to be right there with you. I mean, you started doing that, and I was about to. You know what Jesus would call you? A white-washed tomb. You look beautiful on the outside. Girl, you got your makeup all done right. But on the inside, you are decaying. You know why? Because you don't want to be accountable to anyone. And I know that's an overused word in our culture. Like, I'm just looking for a place to hold me accountable. Let's take it a step further. You don't want to be vulnerable with someone. All right? Let me move on. I'm about to, Larry. Just hang on. Here's the other one. They were devoted to meeting the needs of the people within their community. 
So it included sharing their resources, and that's, that's what they began to do. Like, hey, we got a need. Let's meet it. Yeah. All right, some little turkey yesterday, and I know who it was, but I'm not going to call them out, okay? So this is a great example of when you see a need, you meet a need. Yesterday, we saw a need, and we met a need, and we're meeting a need, but Amen. someone on my car, Amen. it's dirty. It's filthy. I get it. It's hard to keep a black car clean. Someone said, wash me. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Second Hesitations, chapter 4, verse 14. When you see a need, you meet a need. When you see a need, One more, one more, one more, and then I'll get to my third point. Look at this. They were devoted with each other in prayer. All right, this wasn't just a one-week kind of prayer. We're going to pray to God, or the preacher's going to say a prayer, and I'll just receive it as myself, and we'll just go on. So look what happened, birth out of prayer. I love this. They began to see signs, miracles, and wonders take place. They were all in awe. I wonder how many of us are not seeing the allness of God because we're just not asking Him. We are missing a move of God in our own life because we're just not simply asking Him. God, I need you to do something in my life now. What is it? Why aren't you asking Him? You're devoted to prayer. Now, here's where i got to plug this because in two weeks, we're going to start with a celebration of Lent. And this isn't just a time where we fast, but this is a time where we as a church are going to get into a lot of prayer and a lot of repentance together. Amen. It's not just about the fasting, but it's also about praying with each other. Yeah. So we're going to have an Ash Wednesday prayer service together. All right? Now, I know when I say prayer service, a lot of people are like, well, I ain't got to go to that for real. <laughs> yeah, you do. Because <laughs> if you don't show up, I ain't going to pray for you. All right? <laughs> You've got to come. Like, you have the power that I have, all right? Like, it's not, look at the pastor. He's this powerful dude. He's got all this Holy Spirit power within him. Like, it's the priesthood of all believers. That power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Don't wait for me to pray for you. Because I know my brain, I'll forget. I mean, I just will. not trying to. Like the Holy Spirit, His power is inside of you. Holy Spirit dwells in you. So don't wait for somebody to to go down like we used to do in the Pentecostal world. Wait for somebody to lay hands on you and spring that anointing all on you just so you can get a word. Get a word for yourself. Seek after God for yourself. Stay devoted to prayer. And then this last one here. What he gives us is that, and, and, they were, and they were added by the daily. So this is an idea that they were being sent, that there is this, this environment where they were constantly going, where it wasn't, again, them just meeting in a place, although that was happening, 
but it was them going, going to homes, going out into the marketplace, going out to all of these areas. And soon they would begin to go out into different regions and different areas in the world. So gospel community looks like a sent community. And it's not just about going, you going out and joining a mission field or you going out and planning a church. It's about you just going out and making disciples. It's just about you going out and sharing your faith with someone. It's about you just perhaps maybe going knocking on your neighbor's door and introducing yourselves. I know that sounds very, very elementary, but come on, church. When the church was at its best, they were being sent out. This is how this massive growth began to take place because they understood that this gospel message wasn't just for them. This gospel message was for everyone. I'm going to be sent out on mission. I'm going to be sent out sharing the good news of Christ, what he's done for you. He has saved you from a life of hell. He has saved you into a fulfilled life. So why are we sharing this? Why aren't we going out and telling and spreading this joyous good news that Christ has redeemed me? Wasn't by my works, wasn't by anything I could do that Christ loved me as I was. And he redeemed me. So this is what a gospel-centered community looks like, a church that is always on mission, a church that is not just doing the words, but acting. When we see a need, we meet a need. When when someone is suffering, we step in. When, When someone is without, we step in and we provide. And it doesn't matter what they look like or what they perhaps may smell like or what color they are or what their social economic background is. None of those things matter in the kingdom of God. When we see something that needs to be done, we have to do it. And we can't wait on... I don't know, some resource, or we can't wait on someone else to do it for us. You can't wait on me to do it for you. Yeah. And when we see a need, we, we go meet it. Thank you. We're a church on mission. We're a church that's acting. We're a church that's responding to needs. <coughs> We're a church that's responding to injustices in this world. Yeah. Right, now, I'm not trying to do this social gospel thing, but let's be honest. The gospel then produced a social justice. All right, so it's not just us going out there and being that social justice kind of thing. No, this is what the gospel has called us into. That we are not just partaking the word, that we are going out. Here's one of the fallacies, and I've said this before out of my own mouth. All we got to do is just preach the gospel. That's all we got to do. Just preach the gospel. People will come. And that's true. You need to preach the gospel because Romans would say that how will they hear if the word of God is not even um, proclaimed? But change isn't necessarily going to come from you just talking about it. That's for the news people 
ain't changing nothing. <laughs> That's for you to get on social media and rant about something that nobody really cares about. So we're not here just proclaiming it with our mouth, but we are living it with our lives that we have. So just, just real quick, real final, and I'm, I'm going to close right here, um, just some practical things that we can do and the goals that we, we create as a church. How can we be part of this gospel community that God has called us into? And I think there are some, some very practical things uh, that I would ask you to, to get rooted into our gospel community. Is One of them would be God's called some of you to teach. God's called some of you with a desire to share the word of God and to just gather around a few people. Listen, don't wait for me to initiate that for you. Like, start in our group. How can you be rooted in the gospel, in this gospel community? Not just start. Maybe you should, your first step is to join in our group. Maybe you ought to start serving. Like, a lot of community happens when we're outside in the humidity in February, the devil is a lie, and we're out there painting and doing all these things for the Lord. We're getting to know each other. It's not just about renovating a home. It's not just about over there wiping a dirty booty. You are over there in the kids. You are serving with students. You are doing some. You are serving in this church because you're getting to know someone. So not just you're joining our group or not just that you're serving, not just that you are sharing your faith, but you're bringing people into this body of believers. Now let me ask you this, and theologians call the idea of church, that there is the visible church, which is what we are a part of right now. You and I, we are sitting in this room. You are the visible church. I can see you. You're here. But then what theologians would say is that there is an idea called the invisible church. Because many people can step foot into a church building and say, I'm saved. But because they're not saved, they're just a part of the visible church. And they're not a part of God's invisible kingdom. And I want to ask you this morning the simple question. Are you a part of not just a visible place? But are you a part of the invisible church, the ecclesia, the kingdom of God? Not just the kingdom of God, but are you a part of his family? And I think that's something that you have to wrestle with with your own self. In other words, have you fully surrendered your life to Christ? That's the question. Because if you fully surrendered your life to Christ, then you are a part, my friends, of the invisible church. But where there is a life that is not fully surrendered to the Lord, you're just coming up in here, you're a part of the visible, and you're not a part of the invisible. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for not just what you've given us to see with our eyes, but God, I thank you for the invisible church, the kingdom, the family of God that you have. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. 
We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.